Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jacob, my boy, Jacob, my boy, we are here. We are here and we are ready to rock some DFS this week. Woo! Woo! Let's go. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? I am Chase Vernon. You guys can find me over there on Twitter at FF underscore intervention. And I am, of course, joined by my co host, Jacob Sanderson. You can find him over there with the new handle at Jacob Sanderson on Look Twitter. That. What do you yeah. know? My name. Oh my Crazy God, it's, it's so fresh and so new. I like it. And actually, you almost made me change mine. But I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold off until after the football season. Then we'll revisit you know, whether you I want to change mine or not. But Jacob, we are here and we're here to talk some DFS for today. And prior to the show starting, we were just kind of chatting back and forth. We were talking a little bit about <laughs> this slate. So, so let me know real quick, what do you think about this slate? Well, to me, the big thing that sticks out is that these totals are ass. Like we have three games with a game total above 44. And none of them are teams that you normally think of as being enticing. <laughs> like, so we have Lions Bears, which is hilariously a really good game in this year. When else in like recent history would you have ever said you're excited to stack up a Lions Bears game? Like, that's just hilarious. Rex Grossman, uh, I think. Rex Grossman. Yeah, days. would have been a long time ago, right? A long time ago. Maybe the maybe the Cutler Tressman year. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who the Lions had going. Jags Chiefs, of course. Browns Dolphins being the other one. After that, the next highest total of any game on this slate at that point is all the way down to 44, which is the Packers and the Cowboys, which I don't even know how that's 44. I I would honestly bet the under because Aaron Rodgers couldn't do anything against the Lions and the Cowboys have one of the best defenses in the league. So you're either playing essentially whatever your primary quarterback stack is this week. You are either stacking teams that you almost would never stack. You're stacking teams in decrepit, sad games. Or you're stuck with just a couple of options. Uh, and that is really an interesting way, I think, to, to frame this slate as you start to build lineups. Yeah, I think that's pretty much like the key is what you said is like the stacks, right? So this is that week where you get to play defenses with running backs, right? <laughs> like this is the week to, to play those high-end running back situations because you can pay down and pretty much get the same production as if you're going to pay up because you have these advantageous matchups. Like I don't see too many quarterbacks going over that 30 point threshold outside of, you know, we might be able to see, of course, Patrick Holmes do it. Right. We'll probably see Trevor Lawrence get like 25 ish. We might see Justin Fields get over there. Like there are certain players that could end up getting close to that 30 point threshold, but there's also a chance that you could end up seeing some of these, you know, subpar quarterbacks such as, Jacoby Brissett, Jared Goff, some of these other guys we'll talk about here in a little bit, uh, who could get at least close to that. Meanwhile, you have running backs and defenses that have awesome matchups, such as Saquon Mm. Barkley and the Giants defense up against Houston. I mean, so this is the week where, you know, we've we've seen it previous weeks. We've talked about how there are running backs that I don't mind playing in games, you know, uh, apart from themselves. I don't mind stacking the running backs with the quarterbacks. Well, this is the week where we actually get to get to stack the running backs in the defenses because of the matchups that we have. That's the excitement level you're bringing to the show. That's, you're you're that's talking about ex- defense. We're on minute three. Oh my God. We're on minute Stop three. It. You're talking about defenses. No one's going to listen to any of this. You're talking about <laughs> DSTs. Jacob, you know, I like my DSTs. Okay. Oh, you know, I goodness. like my DSTs. You never let me DSTs. play the DSTs. I want to play. Like minute this three. is the week that I pick get to whatever. play you know what? my well, DST. Line, how about this? You pick whatever DST you want. And you compare him with a running back. I'll take the other seven slots. You can oh take you can God. pick the DST and the running Listen back. Listen to this guy. Listen to this guy. Let's go ahead and kick this show off. All right. You know what you remind me of right now? You're you're like that scene in the office when the dude dropped Sean Alexander for a defense. The guy's like, I needed a defense. That's I, you. 
Uh, dude, I'm, I'm just saying, right? Now, I wouldn't <laughs> drop Sean Alexander, right? Because I want the running back stack. But That's true. You know, maybe you drop would have gotten the Seahawks defense to pair with Sean Alexander. Yes, yes, yes. That's pretty right. much the move that I would have make, made, of course. But no, Jacob, we do have some games to talk about. Yeah. And and there Great. is one exciting game that I kind of want to pump the brakes on. I want to I want to save that one for last, right? Or at least second okay. to last. Uh, maybe I should start out with, with mine, actually. Let, let's start out with mine so that you can save the, the juiciest game for last, and I'll start out with Cleveland up against Miami. Mm. Uh, this is one of the higher, higher, not even high, right? Because I think it's sitting at what 40 point, 48.5, something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's right around that range. 49, I think. Is it 49 now? It's in the high 40s. Yeah, we'll, we'll take <laughs> yeah. that. We'll take that. Yeah, it's but in the high 40s. It's interesting, right? Because it's like, do you have the balls to play Jacoby Brissett? I mean, we talked no, about it right before the official show kicked I off. I, I actually do like Brissett. I do this not week. have them. The Dolphins have been okay. They've been pretty good up against the running back, especially as of late. And they've been really bad up against the pass. Like, I'm looking at their numbers up against quarterbacks, and it's absolutely brutal. But they're not just bad up against the, the pass. They're bad up against quarterbacks and rushing, right? Mm-hmm. Jacob Brissett, he's not like, you know, Justin Fields. We're not going to see 100 yards out of him like we saw last week, 186 from, from Justin Fields. But we could end up seeing Jacob Brissett do what he's done all year, which is throw for 250 yards. And no touchdowns. But, but, here's the difference, right? Here's the difference. The Miami Dolphins have been great up against run, like I mentioned. Uh, they've been very stout up against running backs inside the red zone. And Jacob said it's not like he hasn't been a, attempting passes inside the red zone. It just hasn't clicked. I believe he's, what, 12th in red zone attempts thus far on the season. So he's been there. He's been doing his thing. He's been getting the yardage. And he's actually outproduced the, the other side of this in, in terms of, uh, you know, guys around his price range, when you look at, let's just say, Trevor Lawrence, who should be in a high-scoring affair, he's outproduced Trevor Lawrence in most weeks in terms of passing yards and rushing yards. The touchdowns just have not been there. So, Jacob, this week, up against Miami, who, I mean, Xavier Howard's been brutal. Their whole secondary, I can't even start to name it, right? Their their whole secondary has been absolutely brutal. Oh, terrible, uh, yeah. They're like, like, it's like Lions, but even more, even it's like even better Lions because their offense is more fun. This is just a dream matchup. And if Miami can end up putting pressure on, on the, the Browns offensive line, right? And they can keep Nick Chubb to, let's just say, four yards per carry without the breakaway runs. We could see Jacoby Brissett start to thrive on these third down situations. And Jacoby Brissett's actually been good. And he's been throwing downfield. And he's been pretty accurate as a downfield passer thus far on the season. He's been seeing, what, the 18th most, I believe, uh, attempts over 20 yards. And... Amari Cooper and Donald Peoples-Jones, by the way, have both been good in when it comes to actually getting the ball downfield and doing things with the yards after the catch. So for me, I like Jacoby Brissett. I'm going to be playing a lot of Jacoby Brissett this week. Maybe not oh a ton. God. I will have 10%, maybe 15 Jacoby Brissett. I will. I'm going to take it because he's been productive. It's just been touchdown. No touchdowns have been there. Okay, so it's not just touchdowns. As we know on DraftKings, you need three points to get the 300-yard bonus. Unless you're a rushing quarterback, you're typically not making the optimal lineup without the 300-yard bonus. How many times has he reached the 300-yard threshold in the year of our Lord 2022? The thing is, Jacob, the thing is, is he's still getting 278 yards on 22 attempts, right? right. Seen- because they don't want to pass the ball very much. But he's still getting 278 yards. Like, but I don't want that- 278 yards. We need the bonus. Oh, my God. We're talking Zero about a 22-yard difference, okay, right? Okay, so his high on the season in eight games is 278. Yeah, right. 258 other, week before that, 266 okay, the week before that. We are right that's where there. he's living. He's in the he's in the 250 zone. That's his ceiling. Without the attempts, without the because attempts, it's a though. team that doesn't. He's had he's had a game with 45 attempts, 35 attempts, 34 attempts, 34 yeah. attempts. I mean, this team doesn't want to be dropping back the pass 40 plus times. Is it possible that he gets there? It's possible, but I mean, he's going to still need 303 to get into the optimal. And, and I, I'm not willing to bet on him over some of these other teams when their entire approach to this game, if things go the way they want it to, is going to be, we're going to try and slow this game down as much as possible to keep Tua and that high-powered Dolphins offense off the field. I mean, instead, I mean the path to me for Brissett is that the Dolphins jump way out in front. Yep. And then he has to throw coming back, right? And then he, then he maybe gets yeah. his 45 pass attempts. I mean, at that point, you need a few things to happen. Number one, you need Brissett to be responsible for all the Cleveland touchdowns on the way back. And you, you probably need rushing touchdowns from Miami because if two is the one who puts them way up, then two is going to be out in front. He's going to be the one that you want. Uh, Maybe. And they don't take their foot off the pedal. So I'm, I, I'm not going to be able to get to Jacoby Brissett as a guy who has not hit 300 yards and doesn't run. 
but he, he does run. He actually has a decent amount of rushing yards per game. He's sitting there around what 20, 25 yards per game rushing. And he's he just in weeks. a couple, but we have, we have two games over 20 rushing yards this year. Yeah. One of them was what 40. So anyways, he, 40. he still can give you the, the rushing upside. Sure. It's not going to be massive, but it still could be there. And yes, I do think the dolphins are going to end up running all over these guys, or I should say passing all over these guys and running all over these guys when it comes to Jeff Wilson, when it comes to Raheem Mostert. And honestly, I don't want to play either one of those guys. I think they're going to split snaps. I think that we're just going to see a, a ton of efficiency right we're going to see a ton of breakaway plays like this game has the recipe to actually hit the the over in, in terms of just breakaway plays that each uh, team possesses that so i understand wanting to play Tua right in this game Tua makes sense if they jump out in front but you know what if they jump out in front by by a touchdown or two by using the run game you know by utilizing the efficiency of these two running backs and then hitting a big play to Tyreek so i would love to play Tyreek on the other end i would love to play Jalen Waddle on the other end. But I think that Jacoby Brissett actually offers the perfect amount of volume that we have that we have not seen yet, but we could end up seeing if they go down big in combination with efficiency and big plays. The only thing that we've been lacking from Jacoby Brissett to become a top-end fantasy option is touchdowns. And I'm telling you, it's going to come this week up against the Dolphins. And and the bonus. And he's lacked the bonus. And the and the and he's been right there with the bonus, Jacob. He's been yeah, right there. His high is 278. He's not a 299. Are, oh my god! He's like he's two seventy eight. I'm not playing Jacoby Brissett. Um, I can play other. I mean, if he was like stone minimum price, sure. But I mean, fifty four hundred to me. There's still better options out there than Jacoby Brissett. Stone minimum. That's four hundred bucks more than stone minimum. No, it's four K. It's the stone minimum. Well, that's no, oh, that's a backup for a starter. Five K is a stone minimum. Right. Uh, like I, I would. I, I'm not going to be playing uh, Brissett. Um, I think if I was going to have to play someone in, in terms of like these games, like the, of the two quarterbacks in the good games that people don't normally play, I think I'd probably rather play golf. I, I don't think I'll play either of those guys. Um, I'll definitely play this game though. And I'll definitely play the Cleveland side of this game. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones is getting all sorts of ownership. Everybody's decided it's Donovan Peoples Jones week when it hasn't been Donovan Peoples Jones week ever in his life. Um, I, I can't <laughs> wait one, to play. One. I cannot wait to play zero Donovan Peoples Jones in my lineups. That's for sure. Uh, he's, I mean, he's a good value, but we're talking about a marginal player that's going to have a ton of ownership on him. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited. 100%. Yeah, like he, he's a good play. I mean, I think he's a viable cash play, honestly, but I'm probably not going to play any of him at 20%. Um, what's interesting to me, Cooper's role, I mean, has been phenomenal all year long. Uh, I really like him at 6,500. And I like Chubb. I mean, I, again, Chubb's ownership always gets underprojected on these sites because people always want to click his name more when they see the points per game than people who do projections think. But I still don't think he's going to be particularly highly owned. He's going to have the negative game script bump. He's going to have... He, he is their offense around the goal line. Like he, they've been handing the ball off to Nicholas Chubb over and over again at the goal line. And of course we know, you know, we know that he has that ability to break off an 80 yard run at any point in time. So I always like Chubb in, in these kind of spots when he's like a potentially low owned guy uh, in a, as an underdog, but especially as an underdog against a susceptible defense, right? That's, that's a spot that I always really want to play Nick Chubb. I remember us talking about him in that spot against the chargers um, yeah. a few weeks ago. Uh, and I like him here. So I'll play some Chubb. I'll play some Cooper. I will definitely play the two side of the game and I'll probably play Chubb or Cooper in that aspect. It's too bad. We don't get a Joku back. I mean, he, his role was phenomenal. I would have loved to play him here too. I, I would play DPJ if I didn't expect to be 20% on, like I'm not mocking him as a horrific play because he's DPJ. Uh, I just, I, I don't like to play the the wide receivers who are either like high variance or have not shown a particularly high ceiling. Like I don't want to play the 4K wide receivers into ownership almost ever, even when it's not people that I hate. Yeah, so I'm going to throw out one more interesting name, right? Because I actually do love Donovan Peoples-Jones this week outside the ownership level. So I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that you love Donovan Peoples-Jones. I, I, I mean, who would have thought? Who would have thought that I would have loved John, Donovan Peoples-Jones? Who would have seen this coming? I, I don't know who would have that it's insane. It's crazy. Uh, but no, I also, uh, I, and I'm not saying to play him in a lot. I, I might have him in a couple lineups where I need to squeeze, you know, some cash and I want to pump my tight end position. Um, Harrison Bryant, like you said, we wish Njoku was in this situation because Njoku would be in a prime spot. 74% snaps donut. Last it was week. so bad. It was so bad last week. Right. But if we look at the week before, right. Cole Komet, yeah. who hasn't done anything all season, nothing. He hasn't done a single thing all season. Right. Ended up winning somebody, the Millie maker because the dolphins are so horrendous up against the tight end position. I mean, they have barely played like legitimate tight ends throughout the season. And yet I believe they're like 27th or 27th ranked up against them. They're so abysmal. They could be worse than the Seahawks. And you know how much we love to play tight ends up against the Seahawks. 
So, so we didn't get to see what we wanted to see last week from Harrison Bryant. I think it's still in the realm of possibilities that it happens this week, but I'm only playing him in lineups that have to pump, uh, I have to punt the tight end or that I'm playing with Jacoby Brissett in hopes that he cup, sees a couple touchdown passes from him, uh, maybe a big play from Donna Peoples-Jones, and then you get it off the chalk by playing some Harrison Bryant in there. So that's how I'm doing that. On the other I, end I, of things, I don't mind it. I'll play, I, I will punt play Bryant if I'm stacking the game, because why not? I always want to correlate tight ends into game stacks. He's only 2,700. I mean, if he gets if he has two catches for 10 yards and a touchdown, that's workable at, at 2,700. I think that's fine. Yeah, you're in. I don't want to cut you off, but also I, 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 will, I do want to answer Jamie's question. All right, what is Jamie's question? Oh, he was, or sorry, Gator's question. Uh, he just said, why is ownership a reason to play or not play a player? And Mike's doing a great job in the YouTube comments. Um, but basically, if we're talking, we're always talking tournaments on the show, right? Not, not cash primarily. Like the idea is if you're right, you want to bring the least amount of people with you, right? So if there's 10 people and, you know, three out of them are picking one person and nope, and I'm the only person picking another person, I want to be the one where if I'm right, I'm the only one that benefits, right? The more other people that benefit when you're right, then the more other things you have to get right in the rest of your lineup. So it's not that Donovan Peoples-Jones is any less likely to succeed because of the ownership, but if he's 20% owned and I can get someone else who's maybe just a little bit worse at 2% ownership, if Donovan Peoples-Jones hits and he hits in my lineup, I'm bringing 20% of people with me and now I have to beat them in an 8v8. Whereas if he's the guy you need and he's only 2% owned, you know, then you've eliminated a lot of other people. Very well said, very well said. Uh, I do want to talk about another receiver here because Jalen Waddle is significantly less. I believe he's, what is it, 1,700 less than Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill has been far more, far superior option DFS throughout the season. He's won you weeks, essentially. Jalen mm-hmm. Waddle, I don't think he's done so much to win you week unless you play Tua and Hill with him uh, in most situations. Did in Baltimore and and uh, and, and in the, uh, yeah. the uh, Lions game. Yeah, he definitely hit. I'm not yeah. saying that, that he didn't hit by by any stretch of the imagination. But when it comes to like winning you a, a week and, and offering that that insane upside of like 35, 40 points in a matchup, uh, we've seen it one game I think so far this season, maybe two. You said Baltimore. Uh, the other one is actually yeah Detroit. Yeah, so it, it just happens a lot more with Tyreek Hill this week. I'd be much more willing to take a bet on the Jalen Waddle side of things, and I'll explain to you guys why but typically it's just because I, I want to move my money into other spots and i think that we will see a shootout i think we will see him jump up to an early lead i think the waddle's more likely the guy to do that this week mm. so i'm going waddle on this one meanwhile i'm not touching a i'm not going to be touching the running backs over there i know it's tempting to, to go run out like jeff wilson jr i know it's tempting to run out raheem mostert raheem mostert's technically the, still the starter Jeff Wilson got a few more snaps, but it's not like Jeff Wilson has ever been that guy without being the solo guy in the backfield in the same offense that he's been a part of for the past, what, two years now. So I would much rather uh, uh, go elsewhere with the running back situation and just play one run back over there for the for the Dolphins if I'm playing the Brown side. If I'm playing the Dolphins side, I'm running out to a hill Waddle, and then I, I, I'm going to have to punt pretty much the rest of your ro- or the rest of your lineup at that point. That's that's I mean that's where I'd play the Harrison Bryant right because you're going to yep. be so cash strapped if you yep. if you double stack the Dolphins that Harrison Bryant makes sense in that scenario. Like you 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 literally can't play to a Hill Waddle Chubb like that's impossible. If you want to play Chubb in a Dolphin stack, you have to pick one wide receiver um, and maybe play Gasicki or or just play it as a single stack. Pretty much the only iteration of this game I won't play is Hill and DPJ together. Those will probably be the only two guys that are in the 20% plus range or, or close to that ownership wise. I would only play them together in the context of a full stack with Tua and Waddle. Uh, if I'm just doing single stacks, I would play my Tyreek Hills with Chubb or with Cooper. And then I would play Waddle with whoever. You can play Waddle with DPJ if you want. All right. So which one are you going with? with which first game that you want to talk about? Yeah, um, let's, let's talk about... I have a, the fun game I'll save later, like Chase said. So I'll talk about the really gross game. Oh, God, so gross, Jacob. The Saints so and the Steelers. The Saints and the Steelers. Uh, this game, this, if there's like one game that I'm just betting against Vegas being correct on in terms of the game total, it would be this one. In terms of it's all the way down at 40. And I understand the weather is going to be potentially bad, but we're talking about a close game, only a one and a half point spread. Neither of these defenses have been particularly effective this year. And so if you're looking at, you know, where where can we find some value? We're looking at pretty suboptimal average defenses here with the Saints and the Steelers. And also, the Steelers have been a team that's been willing to drop back and pass, even with Kenny Pickett. He's had multiple games up over 40 pass attempts. Now, I don't think I'm going to be playing Andy Dalton or Kenny Pickett uh, in DFS. So this is more of a single stack type situation. But I, I do think with this game, uh, Chris Olave, 
I think is undervalued in terms of most ownership projections. He's been up at a 27% target share this year. He looks every bit, profiles every bit like a true alpha wide receiver one type guy every week. Uh, Jarvis Landry comes back this week. I don't necessarily think that's going to do much to diminish uh, Chris Olave's role. Michael Thomas, we know, is not coming back anytime this season. And you also have Alvin Kamara, who profiles to probably be one of the top uh, three to five, if not even the most uh, rostered running back on the slate. So you get the opportunity to play Olave, who I think is a good play in and of himself. You get to leverage Alvin Kamara in terms of the touchdown equity with where you play him. And you have lots of options on the Steelers. I mean, if you really want to play Najee Harris at 5,500 because you hate your life, you can do that. Uh, if you want to play Deontay Johnson because you hate your life at 5,800, you can do that. Uh, you can get into Pickens. My preferred guy is probably Pat Fryermuth. Uh, but you get that uncertainty where Pittsburgh you know, now gets a game without Chase Claypool, another game under their belt without Chase Claypool. Um, there's possibility for some of these guys to flash ceilings that they might not have shown before. So I want to be playing single stacks, primarily built around a lave and any number of these dealers. Uh, I don't want to talk about this game a whole ton. I think that there's three fun games and I had to pick a fourth. That's not fun. So I picked this one. Um, but that's kind of where I went with it. If you wanted to get really silly, like I think that there's some sort of viability for a, I'll put it this way. There's a higher likelihood chance that I play a Kenny Pickett, Deontay Johnson, uh, George Pickens or Pat Fryermuth double stack, then that I play a Jacoby Brissett double stack this week. No, don't but say I probably that, won't either. do that either. We don't say that. We don't say that. Oh man, that that's rough, dude. I, I do like the Chris Lave take. Uh, it it just makes a lot of sense. But I mean, outside of Pickens, maybe a, a touch of Fryermuth question mark. I, I really don't even like want to to mess with this game that much. Alvin Kamara is too high in the ownership. It's somebody that I would go after, but mm-hmm. you know we don't know what to expect, right? With with TJ Watt coming back. He can end up shutting down these running lanes that we've seen other opposing running backs taking advantage of. Uh, this is just a game that, that I'd much rather fade. And I'd rather go after a game like, you know, the the Giants and the Texans, you know, that's a little bit more gross. But we can find valuable wide receivers, valuable opponents. My issue with, the, with that game is it's just so run heavy. Like at least Pittsburgh is willing to throw the ball. And, right? Like because they can't run the ball and, and, and they don't try. My concern with Giants and – Houston is that it goes the way that like giant Seattle did a couple weeks ago where both teams just want to establish and it becomes this really gross slow game. Like I, I can see that game being over in two and a half hours, right? Like I just thought the giants are going to be so willing to just run Saquon Barkley. We, we know the Texans. I mean, the Texans were lightly competitive on Thursday night football and Damian Pierce got 27 carries in a game yeah. that they, they were losing in the entire time. Right? Like, I feel like that's the most likely script is that the Giants win in like a way that's not a blowout, but is like kind yeah. of comfortable. And they give Saquon 30 carries. The Texans give Pierce 30 carries and, and the game's over in two hours. Like that, that scares me. And that, that's a game that, you know, like I said, I, this is one of those stacks that I'd like to play a running back with the defense on because I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring. You could still see some turnover possibilities, some turnover opportunities oh, yeah. uh, where you could see an interception return for a touchdown, something on those lines. So I like the Giants defense. I like playing Saquon Barkley. Uh, I could mess with some Wondell Robinson, you know, but but I'd much rather like target a few players in that game instead of targeting a few players in the, the Steelers Saints. But I could be wrong. I've been wrong about the Saints before when I thought that they had no offensive firepower and they were just going to be a lame game to watch. And, and I was dead wrong on, on some of those. So what, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I'm just going to turn this into like a session for all the shitty games. Like, so the Broncos Titans one is interesting where, I mean, I'm still like the only person on planet earth that has any belief in the Denver Broncos offense. Um, I think like I, I, I liked what I saw out of Russ in the game against Jacksonville. I thought he looked a lot better. Uh, you get Tennessee Titans. It seems likely Ryan Tannehill will be back. We don't know for sure, but I, I would I would bet the odds are over 50% that Tannehill plays this week. The total in this game is horrible. It's 39. But I, I would say, like, to me, Judy and Sutton are of some level of interest to me. Yeah. Uh, especially Dulcich is going to be having a lot of ownership. I, I wouldn't mind playing one of Judy or Sutton and potentially playing with Henry. You would have no ownership on that. That would be like another single stack that I, I'd be okay with. Well, this is the thing where I think Vegas is missing out on it. And I actually have the over in a lot of places for this game. Like the the Denver Broncos pretty much just traded away half their defense, right? right. Like this is a team that that is in rebuild mode for 2023 where they want these draft picks. Their defense is young, right? Very mm-hmm. inexperienced. And all of a sudden you get rid of, you know, your, your best defensive players. Like it just seems like this could be a situation where it's starting to click for us because I, you're right, man. I put a post up last week, right? where I was joking Russell Wilson 
And then Russell Wilson comes out and actually has a pretty good game right after I put up right. the host joking, joking Russell Wilson. I'm like, okay, I kind of look like an idiot now because he's playing pretty well. Uh, it looks like it's starting to click for him. And up against the yeah. Tennessee secondary, where which is pretty much non-existent for the most part, uh, we could see a game where Derrick Henry ends up taking advantage of this uh, young depleted defense, ends right. up getting you some fantasy points, and then all of a sudden Russell Wilson is sitting there in the second half throwing the ball 80% of the time. So I actually do like this this concept, and I'd much rather play this game than playing the game with the uh, Saints and Steelers. And, and can I also say, Traylon Burks, 3K, currently has like no projected ownership. It's so insane. Right? So Burks comes in at 3,000, stone minimum salary. Uh, I mean, he could play 10 snaps for all we know, but from from everything I've read in the B reports, he's supposed to be active. I mean, obviously, before you set your lineups, you will know if he is active. It's an early game, and you'll yeah. know tomorrow if he's activated from IR. Um, I mean, if he plays even half the snaps at 3K, he, he's a little bit interesting. And the only players in this game that will really have material ownership, I think, are going to be Henry and Greg Dulcich. Uh, and so I think you can play either of the Broncos wide receivers, uh, Judy or Sutton. Ju- Judy's had the better role uh, yeah. in the last month or so, but I, I don't think Sutton's unplayable either. And and then, you know, if you want to play with Burks at 3K, I mean, that's that would be kind of fun to me. Dude, I, I love that concept. That's that's another good one. I also like this Raiders game and uh, versus Indy a lot better. Jonathan Taylor's supposedly 100% healthy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. And Deion Jackson's no, out. Yeah. A lot. I wanted to talk about Taylor. I'm pumped with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, this is what I'm telling you. This is the week that I actually like love some of these options with the running back defense stack. And I still would play Devonta Adams with the defense. I don't even care because Derek Carr can end up leaving you with some interceptions. The Colts fed what four sacks in three out of the past five games. If I remember correctly, like they're racking up points on defense, at least enough to, to keep you yeah. in the conversation of a competing team, right? They're not going to end up leaving you with like two or three points. Uh, Devonta Adams could still get two touchdowns. Quiddy Pay had one of the best games he's had as a pro last week. Him, Buckner, and Grover Stewart are the only thing the Colts can do right now yeah. is get after the quarterback. I like that game. And honestly, like I'll take, like I said, I'll take Jonathan Taylor with that one, stack like the that. defense on that. I'll run it back with with uh, Devonta Adams because this game is going to be so hyper-focused on just the stars and what the teams right. do well the because the teams are done. They, they don't have anything, and the Raiders haven't been good up against running backs. So I'll, I'll take that one, right? Um, I like it. You know, when it comes to what was another game that I was looking at before I, I hop on my next game? Um, let's see. It was, uh, what was Minnesota? Or no, it was, sorry, this is dead air. I apologize. Oh, it was uh, Dallas versus Green Bay, where I just oh, yeah. feel, feel like it's all going to be consolidated, you know, for, for what we're attacking. But let me go ahead and let me hop on yeah. to my next game. Let's get back let's to talk- other games we actually like. There we go. I'm glad you touched on Taylor, though. Yeah, yeah. I love touching Taylor. All right, on to the Bears and Lions. Uh, Akuda, right? Jeffrey Akuda um, yeah. struggles up against big, lanky receivers, and I don't know why. Uh, it, it's weird because he's like six foot one, two hundred pounds, so he's not like a small defensive back. He's pretty good size. He shuts down all these speed guys, but he he just doesn't do well up against guys like DK Metcalf, right? Alan Lazard is another guy that that struggles absolutely, or that that ended up dominating uh, Jeffrey Akuda. So. I normally wouldn't expect it like to be an issue for Akuda covering on the outside. However, if Akuda ends up getting some matchups against Chase Claypool, who saw mm. a 33% target share in his limited snaps last week, that's six targets, or it was a little bit below 33%. It was six targets on 16, uh, or I'm sorry, a little bit above six targets on 16 routes run. Mm. Um, he only had two receptions, right? So it wasn't great overall performance, but then they come out and they say they want to get him more involved. They want him to be a bigger part of the offense. Uh, if he ends up seeing Jeffrey Crude on the outside, which is very possible, we could see some, some similar plays to what we saw from DK Metcalf running up the sideline, uh, dominating physically and almost manhandling Jeffrey Crude on the outside. If Jeffrey Crude doesn't go up with, up against Chase Claypool, it's even better because that whole secondary is brutal outside of Jeffrey Okuda. So I don't see a situation as to where Chase Claypool is a uh, is a subpar play by any measure unless Justin Fields just absolutely airmails this game in. So for me, Justin Fields is a play. I think he should be considered played a play. Like I know he's going to have high ownership. I still think that you have to get him in there because if he ends up performing, he's one of the two quarterbacks I think that, that right. have a chance of breaking the slate, him and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, like I think you have to play him. And I think the guy to play him with is Chase Claypool, number one. And then number two is Cole Komet. I'd mm. love the Cole Komet situation. Uh, we have a, a Lions team that is abysmal up against the, the tight end position in multiple different weeks thus far in the season. 
I, I just don't understand how you can't play Justin Fields without either Chase Claypool or Cole Komet. I'm not going to be playing as much Darnold Mooney because I think he's going to see slightly higher ownership. He's going to yeah, see and he's a slightly every, higher price too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and any stack that's going to see Justin Fields, unless he's rolling out naked pretty much, is going to have Darnell Mooney in it. So I'll be fine fading Darnell Mooney. I'll play some Chase Claypool. I'll play some, some Cole Komet. And then the other side, what I'm hoping is going to happen, the game script that I want is the Bears go up early and they just dominate the Lions uh, in terms of passing ball. They, they shut the, the Lions down maybe on a couple of different rushing opportunities early in the game. And then all of a sudden you see a, a scenario where Swift, who is now 100% healthy, right? We, at least that's the report, right? He's, he's healthy. Theory. He's practicing in theory, right? He's 100% healthy. Yeah. He's on my naughty list. <laughs> he is after last week, after he's your lock last week. I can understand oh, why. But he's not banged up is, is the reports from the staff. They say he's 100% healthy. He's ready to rock and roll. And we know that Jamal Williams isn't going to be in there. Craig Reynolds just went to IR. Their next backup is Justin Jackson, who could end up getting hurt in that game because he's you know mm. made of glass. I mean, this is a situation where DeAndre Swift would be at his optimal point that you want him in DFS. And then I'll go ahead and, and pair him up with, uh, with Aminoff St. Brown. And for that reason, I'll also play a little bit of Jared Goff, but not nearly as much because I think the quarterback to own in this one is obviously uh, Justin Fields. But I will play some Jared Goff with that stack of, of Amon Ross St. Brown mm-hmm. and and uh, DeAndre Swift. My concern with this game uh, is it's nothing to do with the game. I think it's a good one in that both of these defenses are total ass. Uh, you know, and, and I think there are a couple concerns. One, one being that these offenses – if they have their druthers, they really do want to be run first offenses. Like where, where we've yeah. seen these, where we've seen these teams produce best in a DFS context. Like we saw it with the bears now two weeks in a row against Dallas and then Miami. And then all these games with the lions that we've seen out of them against Seattle, for instance, comes to mind, you know, against uh, uh, in some other spots has usually been when they're the team getting pushed, right? They have been the team that is falling behind early and then they're, they have to abandon whatever they were planning on doing. And then they're the team that's pushing the pace, right? So the Dolphins against uh, the, the, both these teams against the Dolphins in the last couple of weeks have this scenario happen, right? My, my slight concern is if it's the other way around, right? One of these teams actually has to get yeah. up in this scenario. No, they, they're they're going to establish the shit out of this thing, right? Like we've seen this with the Bears. They're going to run Montgomery and Herbert. Lions are going to run Williams and, and potentially Smith, Swift. And that makes the game less desirable. I think that you need this game, almost like the Lions-Seahawks game way back, to sort of feature some big plays where these defenses are just so bad that you're getting these big plays going back and forth and that it doesn't necessarily matter, you know, that one team wants to run the ball. Either that or you're getting early production from one side and then you're getting the comeback production from the other side. That's one structural concern. My other concern with this game is just who to play on the line side and frankly on the pair side. Like Fields last week, I I played in uh, 60% of my lineups in in my small field stuff, but he wasn't supposed to be particularly highly owned last week. So I didn't even mind rolling him out naked. Like I had lineups where I was just just him and then I played other stacks on top without the quarterbacks or I played just him with Tyreek Hill. Like I, I didn't even worry about, I played some of him in Mooney. Um, I wasn't that worried about it though. This week, you know, if he's going to be probably quarterback number one or number two in ownership, you know, I'm, I don't necessarily want to play that naked because then you're, you're taking on a bunch of ownership and then how do I do the rest of my lineup? I don't have any correlation built in. So I agree with you. I think that Claypool and Komet are probably good low owned options and particular Claypool is a guy who has a ceiling, you know, really the concern on his ownership is just based on, we don't know how much he's going to play, but you know, that's DFS, right? Like assume the best and, and, you know, and you want to assume the best, hopefully he plays all the snaps. So I like that call. I am still concerned about the Lions. Like, Amon Ross ownership. By the way, Claypool at, at forty eight hundred is a is a big asset to this. And also with the addition of Claypool, we also have seen that maybe they want to throw more often than what they have right. been. And we've seen that lately with the type of plays that they've called ever since even when they were beating the the, the breaks off the Patriots, you know. And, and yeah. yeah, sure they ended up still running the ball like twenty seven times to the running back position, but also Justin Fields was getting rollouts, he was getting design runs and stuff that you want to see from this. Now they have Claypool. I think that we could end up seeing a lot more passing opportunities and an attempt to get ahead because they have been giving up leads when they do run mm. the ball. So I feel like we've seen a, a philosophical uh, organizational shift, right? Right. In terms of like how they want to operate moving forward. But but go ahead and, and talk to me about Amon Ross St. Brown. Well, that's, that's my concern with the Lions. Like it used to be back in the glory days 
of the Lions. You know, you usually had three options you could play, <laughs> right? You could play Swift, you could play Amon Ra, you could play Hawkinson. They they have now devolved into a three tight end committee post Hawkinson, which makes all of them virtually unplayable. Like you're you're just praying for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, you know, the wide receiver room is still beat up. Khalif Raymond is like semi playable. Um, you know, I think he he can maybe fit into some lineups. The nice thing is if you do like a Fields. Claypool Raymond, like you're spending such little money that you can kind of build in whatever premium single stack you want on top of it. Uh, I can't really play the running backs. I just don't like Jamal Williams's profile is so unappealing for DFS. Like he only gets carries. He he never ever catches a pass. And you're not he's not very efficient at running either, right? It's not like it's like a Kenneth Walker situation. Like he's just gonna plod along for like three yards at a time. So it's very difficult for him to get to the hundred yard bonus. Uh, you're, you're like you're reliant on like 80 yards and two touchdowns from him to get into an optimal. Most of the time, he's just taking touchdowns from people who you actually want to play. It, he drives me insane. So I don't really want to play Jamal. And Swift is just, I mean, who knows, right? Like, yeah, if he gets his like 60% snaps, 70% routes rollback, then he's a phen- phenomenal play. I, I mean, he played fucking 10 snaps last week. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. <laughs> so it's hard. It's hard for me to trust Swift. I trust Amon Ra. Do I want to play 20% owned Amon Ra with 20% owned fields, especially when Amon Ra is like has, a, has an eight out of five um, and he basically needs 10 catches to get to the hundred yard bonus. Like that's not, I'm not opposed to playing Amon Ra. That's not the archetype of wide receiver that I, I crave playing at high ownership, <laughs> right? Like, so it's just, it's, it's a struggle for me. I, I think to, to figure out a way to build lineups in this game, where if I'm right, I'm maximizing the benefit and I still like my lineup. So I will play some of it, but I'm, I'm struggling with it a little bit. I appreciate you giving me the Claypool bull case because that gets me a little bit excited. Yeah, I mean, it, this is the thing, right? And this is what you have to hope for. If if the Bears go up, right, you have to hope that they continue to pass because yeah. that their organizational philosophy did shift, right? That's the mm-hmm. number one thing you hope for. The second thing that you hope for is that they go up and they go big so that uh, DeAndre Swift has to get touches. He has to be on the field to, to get the receptions because they're not going to put Justin Jefferson. I mean, uh, not Justin Jefferson, um, um, Justin Jackson in, right? Yeah. They're not going to end up playing Jamal Williams. They're going to be stuck with Swift and they're going to force Swift into the lineup and he's going to have to see the receptions. So we're, we're pretty much funneling an entire game script. Just wait for Jamar Jefferson season. Oh God. The, the third thing that we have to hope for is we need breakaway plays. Right, we need these big plays, which we know Amon Ross St. Brown can deliver in chunk, like he can deliver those chunk yardage out of the slot. We've seen it happen up against Washington. We saw it all last year towards the end of the season. We don't even have to discuss like it not happening because it's very, very possible that it happens. And then we're gonna have to see chunk plays from, of course, uh, Justin Fields, and then Claypool offers that. So mm. uh, we have to see chunk plays and, and massive plays in this game, and then we have to see an exact game script, or else it's a waste of a play. So you're right. And when I play this this one, it will probably be once again 10% uh, type ownership. The majority mm. of my ownership is actually going to be on this next game that you're going to talk about right now. Yeah, so this this is the big enchilada this week, only game with the total up over 50 points, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, you know, one thing that's interesting is that most of the time these premier games that get a lot of ownership aren't usually nine and a half point spreads. Um, so that's, that's add some additional fragility into this game in case it's just a total blowout. But I like the Jaguars in this spot. I think if they're getting underrated in terms of the point spread, I would take the Jaguars with the points in this game. They're a team that has, but by any advanced metric, essentially been a middle of the road team this year that just can't close games. I mean, they've been a team that's been phenomenal in the first half. All of their losses have been by one possession. Uh, Trevor Lawrence in particular, if you look at him between the 20s, he looks like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And then when he gets into the red zone, that's where he starts to have issues. I think maybe part of that is systemic, but a large part of that is also the type of variance that can pop up in a nine-game sample, right? Where they're just not converting things at the rate that a normal team would. I think this is a team that's better than its record shows. I think this is a team that probably won't win in this spot, but it would not surprise me in the slightest if they're competitive in a back-and-forth game with the Kansas City Chiefs going well into the second half. And for that reason, I want to be in on this game. I also look at this slate and... You know, this is getting slightly off track, but it, this is sort of my preface of why I'm going to play so much of this game. Is I look at the projected top owned running backs on this slate, and primarily we're looking at Damian Pierce in a total or a game with a total of 40, Derrick Henry in a game with a total of 39, Kamara, total of 40, Josh Jacobs, total of 41, 
Saquon Barkley, total of 40, right? Like these running backs are, are places where I'm very willing to fade. I'm willing to get crazy with the Jonathan Taylor in one of the slots, with the Nick Chubb in one of the slots, with the Devin Singler, with a whoever else I can get into any of these slots. That's where I want to get different. And so for that reason, I'm pretty okay swallowing it with Travis Etienne in one of my running back slots in almost every lineup. His role has been phenomenal. He's been up over 80% snaps the last few weeks. He's been up near 30 touches per game. He ran a season high in routes last week at 69%. So we might actually get the opportunity to see that pass game ceiling that we were promised with Travis Etienne actually come into force. Trevor Lawrence, like I mentioned, he has been, you know, quietly good over the last while. He also was second in the entire NFL in CPOE last week. He was eighth in EPA. He had a really strong week as a quarterback. It didn't necessarily amount to fantasy production because they were handing it off to Etienne at the goal line, but he showed a lot of progression in that spot last week. And perhaps more importantly as well, first four games of Trevor Lawrence on the rushing side, two carries, four yards, three carries, 11 yards, three carries, seven yards, two carries, seven yards. Last five, Four for 29, six for 23 and two touchdowns, four for three in the touchdown, three for 15, and last week, six for 53. He's still not Lamar Jackson. He's not Justin Fields, but the rushing component has been part of his game. Three rushing touchdowns over the last five weeks and two or three, sorry, of those weeks over up over 20 rushing yards. He's been used more in the read option game. He's been used more at the goal line as a rusher. I think that you can play Lawrence. I think you can play him with ETN with the routes rising. And then, of course, anytime you play the Jaguars, none of their guys are up over 6K in the receiving. You have Christian Kirk, 5,900. Evan Ingram is going to be very highly owned, but he's down at 3,300. And you have the Joneses, you know, rotating in and around the 4K range, Marvin and Zay. And I think because the Jaguars are so price efficient, it makes it pretty easy to be able to fit in as Travis Kelsey in this slot too. And, you know, with Mark Andrews out on bye this week, That's really the only other tight end that we've seen this year that can match Travis Kelsey's ceiling. I want to be trying to fit Kelsey into lineups. I think there's so many affordable, cheap options at the tight end position that that's where people are going to want to go. And it's going to always be hard to play Kelsey with Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to be playing a lot of the Lawrence side of this game. I'm going to be playing it with spending up to Travis Kelsey. If I'm not playing this whole game, I still want to be playing ETN and Kelsey as pillars of my lineup and getting different elsewhere. I'm pumped up about this game. Hey, I even like Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I think it's yeah. interesting. And you know what's you know what's funny? And, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna do this in one lineup just because I want to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like just because I I want to do it. I, I think I want to run out some young Joker in, in one of my lineups <laughs> just for the hell of it. I wish he was I, cheaper, man. Why does he have to be five k? I don't it's know. Like he'd have ownership of four k. I'd play him at four k. No, that's ridiculous. I, I don't understand that either. He's still seeing some residual hangovers from a uh, yeah from the Giants from being the primary receiver over there. But it, like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense for me. I still will play him though. And I, I, like, I like some MVS too. I like everybody. I can't, my biggest issue with this, right? I woke up this morning. The first thing I thought of is like, I was sitting there laying in bed and I'm going through my DFS lineups and I'm You're like, thinking about MVS. I know I was thinking about playing this matchup and I wanted to text you before you even woke up. And I was like, you know what? It's too early. It's probably like, I didn't know exactly where you were. I was like, I don't want to text him at like, you know, four <laughs> o'clock in the morning, your time. You know, and think like, oh, shit, I'm going to wake him up at like 4 a.m. I don't want to do that. So I'll wait till he wakes up. And then I forgot about it. And then the first text you sent me today was, hey, I'm calling <laughs> the Jacksonville Chiefs game. And I was like, son of a bitch, man. Son of a bitch. So, but my issue with this game is I don't know where to go. Because you can have it any way you want it, right? Like, you can, right. it's literally, you can play Zay Jones. You could play, uh, you know, uh, Christian Kirk. I think you play Evan Ingram. And I think you play Evan Ingram with Travis Kelsey. Because, like, the, the Chiefs. In all but, what, two games this season, they've allowed at least 60 receiving yards to the tight end. And in that game where they allowed 62, they still got a touchdown. Their next closest one is 70 receiving yards to the tight end. The Chiefs are literally, like, brutal up against tight ends. Once again, it's so weird. Mm. There's no good tight ends, but every team has been bad up against tight ends because teams are alternating their tight ends. They're, they're playing a lot more two tight end sets, it feels like. But either way, it's it's... Something where, like, I don't know exactly where I want to go with this game outside of Kelsey and outside of Etienne, which you mentioned both. So, like, I want both those guys. And and honestly, I don't know who I'd rather play, Trevor Lawrence at his pricing or Patrick Mahomes at his pricing, you know, in, in his upside. I'll have both. Yeah. Sure. I, I, I So I said, like, 10%. I'll play this guy at 10%. I'll play this guy at 10%. We right. mentioned that throughout the show, right? I'm going to have, like, 30% Patrick Mahomes, maybe 40%, and then 30% uh, Trevor Lawrence, most likely in most of my lineups. Like that's, that's where I'm going to be sitting is that sweet spot around 30% for each one. So 60% of my lineups would be based off of stacks from this game. And I understand it can be chalky. So I'm going to look to get different elsewhere. 
the way that I'm going to look to get a difference elsewhere, Jacob, is by going with some of these high-priced running backs, mm. like the Jonathan Taylor that we mentioned. Saquon Barkley, who's the most expensive running back on the slate. I, I really like Jonathan Taylor. Though. That's that's probably my, my prime pick. So with that being said, Jacob, are you ready to build up a lineup? we got 15 minutes. We actually have time. Well, really quick, before we build up a lineup, where, where are the Kansas City Chiefs going to be going in January, in February? They're going to be going to the playoffs. And pretty soon... Pretty soon, underdog fantasy is going to be going to the playoffs as well. You're going to be able to do best ball type competitions going up to the playoff best ball. You can be checking through your lineups as you go midseason, see how you're doing. Maybe your advance rate's looking pretty good. You say, you know what? I'm going to budget a little bit of my winnings into the playoff contest. So make sure to get your money in over there. Of course, for now, you can play Battle Royale every single week. You can play stuff with basketball. You can do pickums. You can do all the type of best ball opportunities you want to do with underdog. Whenever seasonal fantasy just isn't enough for you, it's got you down with all the bye weeks. It's got you down with the injuries, anything like that. So if you love our show, if you love playing DFS, if you love fantasy football, you're going to love, of course, underdog fantasy football. And make sure... When you do sign up, you sign up with promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD for a deposit match up to $100 on Underdog Fantasy. What do you say? Let's build a lineup. Let's do it. Let's do it. I've got the screen right here. All right. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been fun building these lineups, but we've had to build them in such limited time because we've been talking so much about, you know, this and that with each one of these matchups this week, it's pretty straightforward as to like, you know, where we want to go with our matchups. It just gets right. interesting as to what garbage, you know, teams we pick up on the side to add to some of our stacks. So with that being said, we have to pick uh, a stack to go with. And I really think we should go with Jacoby Brissett. Because um, <laughs> I know you hate it so much. Yeah, fuck it. Why, why not? Put it you want to do Jacoby Brissett? Let's I do don't it. Want to, I don't want to, but do I, I, will, I will allow you to. Yes. Yeah. sweet uh do we do we go with the chalk i think we should play harrison bryant just because we talked about it uh well if we're playing jacoby we're double stacking him so let's play uh let i'm fine with bryant and then whichever one of dpj and cooper i don't i, I think bryant will have such low ownership that we'll be safe playing dpj um Amari Cooper's been really trash on the road so far this year. Oh, are you? Yeah, it's it's one of those narratives that I think is total garbo, but it's been such a long time that I can't really keep saying it's total garbo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hold on, let me let me look at his home and away splits real quick. The, the thing is, oh no, they're huge. Like it's, it's the thing huge. is, I always I always thought that it was like so he used to play in in Oakland, right? And Oakland's like a warm weather city, and then he goes to Dallas and it's indoors. And so I was like, well, this this home and away thing doesn't make any sense. It's probably just like really an indoor outdoor thing, and and or like a weather thing. And he was playing in a warm city, and then he's playing in a dome. And now he's like up in Cleveland, and it's been in the fall, and and it's still the same thing. So like I, it's it, I guess it's real. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying this year alone, this year alone for the people that are listening to the podcast, not watching the show, home games. Five games, uh, 32 receptions, 52 targets, 453 yards, five touchdowns, 23.1 points per game at home. Away, three games, seven receptions on 14 targets, only 100 yards in three games, 5.7 fantasy points. So with that narrative being said, I would much rather pivot over to DPJ since we are playing Harrison Bryant. Yeah, and then we're going to play literally whatever the fuck we want in the rest of this lineup. Um, and specifically, whatever the fuck I want in the rest of this lineup, since I, I've capitulated to your DPJ, Jacoby Verset stack, that I, I think would would put me on on a, on a watch list. I don't even know what capitulated means, but I'm going to start using it because I really like that word, capitulated. <laughs> uh, first of all, we could we definitely have the money for Tyreek Hill, so why don't, why don't we toss him in here? Do we, do we want to do Tyreek Hill or do we want to do yes. Waddle and then pivot to Tyreek Hill if we want to? Um, I would like to play Tyreek Hill. God, okay, fine. I really want to play one of these expensive running backs, and I feel like you're going to inhibit me from doing so. We have we have a lot of money to play the expensive running backs. Like, we're playing Jacoby Brissett, Harrison Bryant, and DPJ. We, we do not have a shortage of funds. All right, all right. Pick a running back, because I'm going to play their defense uh, instead of, not Jacksonville, but pick either Jonathan Taylor or, um, or Saquon Barkley. Give me one of those guys. Yeah, let's let's do let's do the Taylor lineup. I like that call. And then let's do the Taylor lineup, and then we can pretty much just chalk it up through the rest of this thing. Yeah, Colts are cheap anyways. Twenty five hundred. Give me that okay. all day. Lovely. So we're sitting at sixty one hundred. Well, sixty two hundred essentially with three positions left. We have a running back, a wide receiver, and a flex. Etn Juju. Etn Juju. All right, I like it, man. Dude, this episode's gonna be way too fast because we're agreeing on way too much stuff. 
ETN wide receiver Juju. Let's do it. And then what do we have left? 5,400? Yeah, we should pivot all the way down to Traylon Burks. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got at 5,400 that's, that's juicy? Anything oh, of interest man. for us? Um, um, I don't. So we're looking at like Naeem Hines, Adam Thielen, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. Hawkinson, Kareem Hunt, uh, Latavius Maybe Murray, Rondo Moore. Oh, I really like Rondo Moore this week. Okay. I love Rondo more this week. I didn't actually talk about it uh, very much. Yeah, but... and I mean, he would be a guy where even if it's Colt McCoy, that probably doesn't hurt him anyway, right? No, because he's going to take all the passes underneath, and the Rams are actually really good about preventing deep balls uh, to opponents, <laughs> anything beyond like 10, bo- 10 yards. They let every, like, and they've been doing this for two or three years now where they just allow teams to target them underneath. However, yeah. the, a lot of the focus is going to be on DeAndre Hopkins this week. And typically, when there's an alpha receiver, the secondary receiver ends up seeing one on one coverages, which allows them to see breakaway opportunities. I mean, what is it? Three of the past four weeks, Rondo Moore seen eight plus targets, if I remember correctly. Actually, let me pull it up to make sure that I'm not just. Uh, no, you're you're correct. Track. You're correct. Go with Rondo. Yeah. So, uh, oh, four of the past five weeks, he's seen at least eight targets. Um, he hasn't given us significant fantasy numbers outside of one week, but this could be the week that it actually happens. Uh, we we need that touchdown, and I think Arizona does get in the end zone uh, a few times this week up against a divisional opponent. Rondo Moore should be a lock there. All right, I'm good with Rondo. That's fine. All right. All right. Flag plants. You you go first. Oh man, I, I had a flag plant plant, and then I uh, I miss. Oh, I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor. I, I don't like think that. he's going to see high ownership. I think that the cost is going to prohibit people off of uh, you know getting to him essentially because they're afraid, because they're they're scared, and because they they really don't know how to handle just having you know confidence and balls and having the best running back in the league perform at a high level up against a mm. terrible run defense. Uh, listen, Jonathan Taylor's been a big disappointment this season. I, I, there's no way that he keeps doing it to us week after week. Don't forget his rookie season where he was completely inadequate uh, over there in the backfield. And then towards the tail end of the season, he just caught fire. That's all he needs to do, right? And we're going to see them run, run, run some more because Sam Allinger should not be playing quarterback at any level of uh, professional football. Uh, Jonathan Taylor this week is a smash play. All right. My take here, my flag plant is going to be really all the Jaguars, but who is the lead member of this pack of wild cats down going on to Kansas city? Evan Ingram. You Jonathan. Ta- <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Jonathan Taylor. People called him a generational running back. A man that many people called as generational was the number one overall pick last year. Mr. Trevor Lawrence, a man whose blonde locks flow even more than mine and whose attempt at Movember would probably be even more pathetic than mine. Trevor Lawrence this week, sorry, Trevor Lawrence last week earned a career high passing score in NFL Next Gen stats. And in particular, he generated positive expected points added on 74% of his drop packs. That is the highest success rate in any game since... Patrick Mahomes in week four of 2021. Now he plays against the actual generational quarterback that Patrick Mahomes or that Trevor Lawrence was brought up to potentially be in a showcase game. They're getting a disrespectful nine and a half points on the road. I believe that Trevor Lawrence will not only be a top five quarterback this week, not only be in your optimal DFS lineup, but will lead the Jaguars to a victory in Arrowhead Stadium. Trevor Lawrence reclaiming his status as an elite dynasty, DFS, fantasy, NFL quarterback in week 10. 